Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. In this podcast, we chat about the defeat of Bristol City and answer your podcast questions. This is the Borough Breakdown podcast and this is our Borough Match Day chatter in a pod. Support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for That's Craig it. Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Abanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Abanelli spots out. Hello and welcome to the Board Breakdown Podcast with Johnny and Dana. We have the Board Podcast that gives you all of your Borough Master Chatter in a podcast. And well, another defeat for Borough, fourth consecutive home match without a win. We put an end to Bristol City's sixth game, a winless run. And you know, Borough have now only won two out of the last 12 home games against Bristol City as well. So the definition of a bogey team. Uh, Dana, as always, what was your one key takeout uh, from, from the week? Probably the Michael Carrick still has a way to go to establishing himself as a good coach. I think he was a good coach last season, absolutely. But this season has thrown up a lot of questions over him. And like, there's still improvements to be made. And I don't take that as a bad thing. I'm fine with that. I, I'm realistic. And I know that he's a big name, but he's not yet a big manager. And I think he's been guilty of being more reactionary than proactive this season with his late substitutions. And yesterday he got the team selection wrong. So the defeat was in part kind of on him yesterday. So, yeah, the big major takeout is just that Michael Carrick is, he's just got a way to go to develop himself and establish himself as a good coach because there's just been a few moments this season where you can kind of pin question marks on him. Yeah, and, and for me, I would say... We were garbage yesterday, but we're not a garbage team uh, in, in general. I, I thought yesterday was just so bad, and we'll come to it now. The overall, like, when I watch Mills Brass, I look at us and go, we're a good team. We're just so, like, high and low. It's just never a steady line of consistency this year. It's been more of a case of we do so many good things and so many funny things in just one game, and it's quite frustrating, I would say. But we'll talk about the game because... Obviously, we were down 2 0 within the first 20 minutes. It's obviously gone mountain climb from that. And, you know, Sammy Silveras got off his backside uh, <laughs> to at least give us a glimmer of hope in the last five, 10 minutes. How would you assess it yesterday, Dana? How would you uh, assess the match in general? 
Well, I knew we were in for a rough afternoon when Luke Ayling's man bun fell out within the first five minutes and then fell out again later the same half and then fell out again in the second half. I mean, it was very hodgepodge, wasn't it? Not his man bun, the performance mm-hmm. and the team. Um, you know, it was a starting eleven with players in make-do positions, really, and it kind of played like that. Like, the midfield two of O'Brien and Barlasser just didn't work. Like, it's funny, actually, when we were discussing the what Borough's best team is a few podcasts ago, we were reeling off the names of Borough's midfield pairing, and I was thinking, oh, House and Hackney, House and Barlasser, maybe Hackney O'Brien, but I never thought O'Brien and Barlasa. I just didn't. Like it was probably the the furthest down the list that you could possibly go that to. And and it didn't work in that game. I think Hackney's performance levels have have really struggled playing further upfield. So he definitely suits playing deeper. And then we've got our most instinctive forward playing out wide for a player who in Greenwood I still think has potential to be effective through the middle but there's an awful lot of growing and improvement that he needs to make so yeah we have seen that game so many times this season you know Borough giving themselves a massive task to overcome by making mistakes and conceding goals through them and then we sit there and we think we just don't have the necessary firepower to be able to overturn this deficit so yeah, it's it's frustrating, but unfortunately, it's nothing new. Yeah, it isn't, is it really? And and you know what? Like I was watching that yesterday, and that first half for me was just like, who could play the shittest out of our <laughs> entire team? And like Hackney and Barlaster, like they just had, oh, you know, what I was saying like bad performances. Like they're up there, I think individual wise. You know, everything they did just went wrong. And look, you've been there. Anyone who's played football's been there. Like where. You have like flurries of moments where you just can't pass the ball straight. You can't pick out your man. You miss an easy chance. Everyone has those moments, right? But it was like, for me, I was like, good God, like, what a way to shoot yourself in the foot. And then, mm-hmm. you know, when the crowd gets on your back as well, like, it must be difficult, I guess. But, you know, the way that we conceded, I think those two goals were were so frustrating, so easily preventable. And our own downfall, really, because I don't think... I know Bristol City got in a couple of times, but every th- every time they got in, it was because of our own doing from playing in the wrong areas, playing into traps, and not being really good with our like overall tempo, to be honest. And I always speak about tempo on this podcast because I think I think it's so valuable and I think it's so important in this game that we talk about like, tempo and, and space and how we occupy it. And just when we're playing out from the back, I, I'll get the only time I ever get frustrated when we play out from the back, I think for me is that we become too naive and also play like as part of a team where they're not willing to move the ball a lot quicker between from side to side. And you should do really, because if you want to play the ball at wide, they're going to bring someone over. You need, if you're going to play back, you need to switch it quickly. Like if I, if you've got four, you need to really do it with about four or five passes because on that fifth or sixth pass, like a team is going to go back into a ship and make it more difficult. And they did do that at Bristol City and they're really good at it. I thought they were good in terms of targeting Fry on, on the goal kicks as well. Uh, noise uncomfortable with the ball and it was just difficult for that first half an hour 45 minutes and, and credit Bristol City you know I thought they got it spot on but it was mainly because that we were doing stupid shit um that we <laughs> the game away and for me like everything that we've seen over the last few weeks I think it's kind of accumulating now over time where you know we are top for biggest chances missed uh as a as a team in the championship we're in the top four for for big chances created you know our underlying numbers are still really good but it shows how massively we're underperforming 
you know, in like the actual games. And yeah, I was just a bit disappointed yesterday. A bit disappointed in the second half looked okay. We had the chances again, but it just didn't yeah. work out the way we wanted it to work out. And I agree with you as well on the team selection as well. And I thought it was interesting because I was adamant McGree was going to start. And yeah, so what, what do you think? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because Carrick, remember earlier on this season, he didn't play McGree. He benched him. And, and yeah. back then, our, our eyebrows were raised because this is our best player and he can't get into the team. So what's going on? And like I was waiting to see what Carrick would have said about McGree not being in the team or not starting yesterday, but he just he was never asked it. So I was kind of just assuming that maybe it's because of people's assumptions that he is still managing his way back from that foot injury. But like for me, the fact that there wasn't a an answer to that question leads us into these conversations, doesn't it? And if McGree is fit and available. He starts every game for me, absolutely every game. Bora do not have a player on the same note as McGree, somebody that can take the ball between the defensive line and the midfield line, even when under pressure. I think you saw when he set up Greenwood's offside goal, he was under pressure, he was being pressed, but he's just, he's so agile, he's so intelligent. He just needs that one little deft touch to get a player in behind. And we saw that in that move. And it's like no one else can offer that. You think about the other options in that left wing berth. Greenwood does not offer that. He's a yeah. completely different player. Azaz doesn't offer that. He's a completely different player. So like McGree is kind of in his own bracket there with Borough. He's so technically gifted. And he's so he's just so good playing between the lines with be it his back to goal. He's so good at playing on the half turn, receiving the ball, and then making a move that basically gets him into an area where he can make a pass he can take the ball out wide he can feed it in filter it in essentially we saw that with his goals that he set up for Morgan Rogers in the cup like he's such an intelligent footballer and he gets in that team every single week for me and if he started that game it would have had a really positive domino effect with the rest of the team selection because then it would have meant that Azaz would have played through the middle which I think suits him it would have meant that Hackney would drop back, which suits him. It would have meant that, you know, one of Barlasser or O'Brien would have had to take a seat on the bench. But would you rather have O'Brien or Barlasser in your midfield or Riley McGree in the team? You would definitely pick Riley McGree in your team. So I feel like Michael Carrick, and going back to my one key takeout, is maybe guilty at times of overcomplicating things. Like, obviously, we're not privy to knowing exactly why Carrick benched McGree. But if he was fit and available, just play your best players. Play your best players and particularly play your best player because he doesn't, he's no detriment to the team. He's only a positive to it. And yeah, it's baffling. It, it, yeah, it baffled me yesterday. It really did. Yeah, and I'm I'm glad that he came on and I hope he starts uh, midweek against Preston because I, I feel like he brings so much to the team and Seeing Azaz in the second half go, well, it was it was in the middle of the first half, really. We, we changed it, but Azaz moving more to a central position. And I thought he, he, dom, he not dominated, but I thought he was much more dominant in that role. And you could see that his strengths were really getting highlighted. He was good with his feet. 
He was finding that through ball. We were trying to get in, get in the right areas. And I would say Greenwood was poor in, in terms of reading the lines. And you know what? He was always offside and it frustrates me. About me. Like, yeah. I, you know, I, I, I re- request a bet from Skybet. And I was like, can, how many offsides can this guy actually have? Like, there's, there's play on the, on, the, on the defender's shoulder and then there's just being offside. That's like constantly being naive about it. And, frustrates me um the hell me with that but you know as, as for me i thought second half was was much much better and you know what he's he's still so fresh like in the in the team as well and you know i remember when rogers came in and everyone was slating him for two months and you know somehow he he, he became the he became the best thing and best player in the world and what annoys me is sometimes I see tweets and everything like the weather score was so but this is supposed to be our replacement for for rogers and he just He's just like after two games, the same thing you did with Rogers, but I think yeah. he is still our replacement, and I think he's really good. We just need to keep showing more and more of it. But he's only just just came with the football club, right? But he has quality, and yeah. I agree. I think I think McGree should have started. But go on, go on. What are you gonna say? Yeah, I was talking to someone in front of me at the match, and you know he was kind of criticising his ass, and I just don't get it. I really, really, really don't like. I know that as human beings, we always want to find someone that's responsible for something not going right. But like he has played, what is it now? Three or four games for us? Three? I can't remember, but it's very early days for Azaz. And the thing is, is you can say that he was absolutely shite yesterday. He still created some really good chances for us. Is that not, enough to to give him a chance and to be like you know what there's something in him here like of course there's players that are just downright turgid like sorry but to your Lasagna like <laughs> he won a competition to play for Middlesbrough let's be honest great seems to have carved a good career for himself in Scotland but you like you can kind of gauge from certain players they're just not good enough don't see that with his ass like I, yeah right now he's not performing to the capabilities that he's well, capable of, but don't write him off. And I'm not saying that everyone is, but there is a selection of football supporters that go to that superlative degree of like, everything's going wrong. Everything's shite. There's a big conspiracy theory. Gibson needs to go. Azaz needs to go back to Villa. What are we doing? And it's just like, it's not that bad. I am back in Azaz. I think that he will end up being a really big positive player for us because think about it there's players in that team that have also undergone that kind of narrative of their shite and then we've warmed to them so yeah just if anyone is out there that's like really questioning the signing of his eyes just give him time and I think he will be a net positive signing for us yeah I agree I I agree I think he's he's a he's a good player it's just going to take him time, I think. It's getting used to the system as well. But for me, yesterday, when we, we talked about different players of who we've liked and, and who've had a bit of a stinker, I thought, like, Balassa would have had a absolute stink yesterday. But Balassa like, was getting a lot of the abuse, but I thought Hackney was the wor- worst out of the two yesterday. For, He's been uh, bad for a number of weeks, yeah. to be and honest. I think, you need, I think you need to highlight that, though, as well. Like, I think sometimes like it's very easy not to like not criticise a local player sometimes, but like for me, like I think Fry slows the game down a lot. He always shifts onto his right foot, slows the tempo down, and he can't play out from the back, and it frustrates me. Whereas, like as Hackney as well, give the ball away multiple, multiple times, gives suicide balls to different players, which cause a domino effect on different things. And then it was like, well, 
we need to highlight, I think, just as much as like you know what Dan Ballas was, but I mean, Ballas was terrible uh, yesterday as well, just as much as Hackney. But mm. he needs time yeah. on the ball, Ballas, that oh, well, he yeah. just isn't yeah. afforded. Like he's not the type of player that can kind of do things quickly. He just needs that extra few seconds that he's just not afforded. So when a team do apply pressure on that build out from the back because obviously when from Borogol kicks the two centre halves will split Barlasa will drop into that deep position and he's kind of the first fit the first contact of the goal kick like as soon as teams kind of push up and put pressure on it that's when you see his weaknesses so like he he needs time on the ball that he's just not afforded it's like he does offer a lot of like line breaking passes that get us forward, that progresses up the pitch significantly. But this also comes down, Johnny, to like the lack of movement. So it's not yeah. just Barlasa, it's oh, the lack of movement. Start, don't get me started on that. Don't get me started. <laughs> go for it, go for it. No, go for, no, have a therapeutic no, it, rant. It's, I wouldn't say that. It's that what they, if you play out from the back, your defence is only as good as your midfield and the midfield is only as good as forward line. And if you, if there's a chunk, a chunk in the armour and say if the midfield's not running, then... You can only really ideally play it long, or you're gonna you're gonna start to horseshoe it. There was no movement up top. There was no movement in the midfield. Therefore, you're playing it out from the back. And then when you do play in the centre, you're getting pressed because you're not playing it quick enough. And it frustrates me. If you are gonna do it, play it from the back. Got like I said earlier, that fourth or fifth pass, you've either got to break the line or you've got to switch it very very quickly and just trying to create the space. But when you've got two or three forwards literally like just stood out wide and not trying to bring players in or move up, it's not like you have to run across the half of the pitch. Just a couple of yards, keep it moving, just keep yourself walking from side to side, just wait for that opening to come up. And we just don't do it. And I think that you know you say like well, people need time and, and space, but also they need players around them. Like mm. for me, if I'm looking at my old goal kicks, I'm probably looking at my centre half. Okay, okay there, there's two. Where are my wing backs as well? Are they wide enough? Are they in enough space yes. for like Barlasa or Hackney to open the body up, play it out wide? And then you've got a lot of space to kind of for Engel to maybe come inwards, play that one too. Can we play? Can we get a winger in and behind? And it's just like if we don't do it, when you do horseshoe, it frustrates you and it frustrates everyone. But if you are going to horseshoe, you may as well just play it long over the top because the team's going to keep coming up and coming up and coming up in that mid block to a more of a higher higher press. And then you're going to create more space in behind. But what do I know then? Because I'm just I'm just a guy who sits on the podcast. And, you know, but... <laughs> I was going to say on that point about like the the fullbacks. Like we discussed it in a rather ranty series of voice messages on our messenger chat yesterday. But like last season, you saw quite frequently Zach Stefan would loft a not a long ball, but like a kind of mid ball to the flank to Ryan Giles, and then he would play that first time pass. You know, cushion it inside first time and it would get where ticking like it is so frustrating to see two rather conservative fullbacks and this isn't all throughout the game like yesterday we saw Ailing get forward in the second half more so than the first although you did get forward a few times in the first half but it's like I just want to see Bory utilize their fullbacks more because they can be our out ball they can be what essentially alleviates that pressure and gives Barlasser and Hackney or O'Brien or whoever's in the central areas that option we just don't really see it and, and as I said it was, it's very hodgepodge it's very kind of makeshift make do I know we've got injuries but I don't feel like Carrick has quite cracked the formula this season like he did last season so <laughs> scaling back to the narrative about Carrick like there is big expectation on him and some tacticals on Twitter will tell you that he's destined for the Man United job 
if he is, he's got an awful long way to go because, yeah, it's not a bad thing, like needing to improve. It's not a criticism at Carrick, but it's just probably a bit of perspective that like he's still early into his managerial career and we've seen a lot of naivety, potentially mm. you could maybe label it this season. Yeah, and look, there was a bit of naivety, isn't there? Like, I think even when you you got you got your principles as a coach, and you want to play things in a certain way, but but also as as part of like a philosophy or a principle, which is where as a coach, like you've got to be adaptable. I think, and hmm. when when you have that adaptability in in your in your locker, like okay, you you've got your principles, you want to play in a certain way, you want to create chances in, in a certain um, position, or create like or play through teams to get yourself in certain areas. I get it. But you also got to have that ability to kind of go, right, if this isn't working, how do we, not just not move away from the principle, but how do you adapt your principle to kind of achieve the same result? Because there's different ways to get to the byline and there's different ways to get into that box, into the box, in the six-yard box, where it's the, the probably the best areas of the pitch. And, you know, you don't have to be a best crossing team to, to do that. You know, it's, it's, you can play the ball in behind, which we do get in, but it also relies on the striker. And I don't think Greenwood offered that yesterday, but it kind of comes back to that point, doesn't it, where, it's been adaptable then also like having that mouse to kind of change things up a little bit. But why do you think, why do you think Bristol City got that so right in the first half? They just attacked us in a in an area that is a weakness for us in that midfield yeah. where, yeah, if, if you do put pressure on us, you know, we do have problems. And, and as we said, we didn't have that out ball. In the second half, I think they were pretty content with allowing Borough the ball out wide. I was having enough 27 crosses yesterday in that game and and we've been averaging 16 crosses per 90 this season um, and I think they were content with it because they were packing the central areas instead so when we saw Ailing get forward more in the second half down that right we also saw a lot of Bristol City interceptions blocks and clearances so like firstly I would probably say credit to them for their defending the majority of those crosses from Borough were cutbacks there were a few off the floor so there was a bit of variety there but I would have liked to have seen a little bit more still but like it comes back down to no, no matter what type of cross you have into the box, there's just a lack of movement there, really. A lack of like trying to really attack the ball to get yourself into, into space at the back post, at the near post, to try to get onto that ball. And it kind of became a little bit too predictable, a little bit too easy for Bristol City to defend against. And any kind of question about like why Borough only had one goal to show for the second half dominance. You know, ultimately it goes back down to the lack of clinical edge up front. Last season we were averaging 1.76 goals per 90, which was only bettered by Burnley, who of course went up as champions. This season, 1.45 goals per 90, which is ninth rank in the league. Like the average percentage of goals scored at home in the championship this season is 55%. But get this, Borough have scored just... 39% of their total goals at the Riverside like our home form ain't good enough and our ability to score goals at home ain't good enough but we did have chances like Finn has created re- one really good one where he laid it off for Greenwood who tried to curl it beyond O'Leary and it you know he didn't get the, the purchase behind it he created another one where he put the ball through to Greenwood and O'Leary came out and smothered it and made himself big to block and then Marcus Force fashioned a, a chance where he dragged a shot wide we just don't have the clinical finishing ultimately at the end of the day. And if you don't have that, there will be games like yesterday where feasibly on the scale of, on the balance of the game in the second half, we could have got something from it because of our dominance. But if you don't have somebody that can put the ball in the back of the net, then ultimately yeah. you're going to go home empty handed as we did. Yeah. And it's not like games like where we're getting, we're getting 
battered. I think with the Chelsea game where we got, we did get battered. I mean, but by like the the games of the championship, we're not getting turned over. I think all the games it, it just comes from us. Do you know what I mean? I don't, I don't see a team playing us off the park. I'm not seeing a team like come to Riverside and dominate. It's very much flashes of, it's like moments of madness. When I've, I've said, I'm sure I've said something on the podcast about this before, like around moments of madness where we have 85 minutes spot on. You've got the you've got control of the game. You're playing it from side to side. You're creating openings, but that five minutes of where you switch off, the game's dead. And I think that's what happened yesterday, to be honest with us. And, you know, it's frustrating, I think, for a fan because you can you can be so concerned with the, the narrative of, oh, this process isn't working or this player's garbage or whatever. And it's very bipolar, especially where I sit in the North Stand as well. You're one minute, you're, you're fantastic. Next minute, you're crap. <laughs> um, and it's just, it's one part of you, you don't even know that you eat the right players on the pitch. But, you know, it's like, um, you know, it's uh, there's a lot that goes on in the North Stand. And Matt will probably laugh at that, when I, that comment I said. But, yeah, I think the, the overarching thing is that, for me, I think to take out the whole game, was kind of what I was saying earlier, is that we were garbage yesterday for a good 30 minutes the rest of it we were fine and creating chances like we were and we do create chances which annoys me creating chances is probably one of the hardest things to do in football and we do it so easily but why are we finishing it and it's like you can say oh well, we didn't bring a striker but look we, we know that there was there was something in place for, for January it didn't work out and we move on from it but the summer's going to be a, a key moment for us anyway if we were to, to bring the striker in but I think my overall positive and my narrative for, the, for this year is that we're still a good team. We probably might not get, we probably won't get promoted this year, but we are a good team and, we, and everything that we need to work on can be done. You know, if we need to bring more pace and we didn't have any pace in the squad yesterday, which is, is a bit of a problem. We need a centre forwards, but I think for me, if you're getting a right back in the summer, because I don't think Erlen's going to stay, I definitely wouldn't sign Greenwood and I don't think, it's Greenwood's wages alone, I think it's too much. And, you know, if we get a centre forward in the summer, we get a right back, we get a, probably another a winger to maybe help us out. And I think Silvera will come good as well. I just think that we need, yeah, a little bit more to get us over the edge. But we're good. I think we're a good side. I, I do think we are a good side still. You can look at the numbers, that one element, but on my eye test, I still think when I look at different teams in the Championship, I Borough are a good side. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. But anyway, let's let's move on to podcast questions. Ah, yes, podcast questions. Every week, you get the chance to ask us a question via Twitter, Bora underscore breakdown, email the breakdown at hotmail.com, or by joining our Telegram chat. The only place where you can chat to over 400 Bora fans about anything, maybe sometimes about Bora. Sometimes we chat about the Bora Breakdown merch, uh, which is available on T-Sides. The links are in below, and also just more cool stuff. Um, So, Dana, the first question comes from Nick, um, and he says, realistically... Is mid-table just where this squad is right now and a fair representation to where we are? Yeah, it absolutely is a, a fair representation as to where this team is. You know, we haven't put a run together since September into October where we won six in a row. And I tell you what, that six-game winning run is doing a lot of heavy lifting right now. It is probably the reason why we are basically still in, in the mix, along with our decent away form. But we just aren't consistent enough. And I will say there are other teams in and around us that also aren't consistent enough. But like with Borough, it just feels like there's so many issues at play that just haven't been rectified since, well, the beginning of the season. I can't see it changing anytime soon. And like people keep saying, when we get players back, we'll be fine. Like we had Hayden Hackney back recently and he's been really poor since so like there's absolutely no saying that these players that are coming back from injury are actually going to perform to a decent level or to the level that they were prior to injury so there's a lot of faith being put in those injured players coming back and actually performing when in my opinion it's absolutely not set in stone you might have Flatty Lath come back and really struggle to get back into the swing of things I mean there were question marks over whether he was getting into the swing of things beforehand so like we're banking big on the returning players to deliver and I'm just not so sure that it's an absolute. So, yeah, we are a, a mid-table team. We're in that condensed pack of teams in the championship that are just not quite there. Yeah, well, I thought they were too far away, but I think, you know, look, this is, this is so like funny about the championship. Though. Like, we could be in the next three games, we'd be in the bloody playoffs. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, it, it just blows my mind. But that's, that's the league we're in. But I think we do have quality, just not enough of it. And it's the reason why we're, we're where we are. And um, the next question as well, and it kind of leads in quite nicely to this question from Steve when he says, Can Borough's strategy of bringing in promising players with a view to selling on for profit work alongside an ambition to get to the Premier League? especially given the increasing gap between divisions and strengths of teams coming down. Both have an idea on this, but 
I think you do need to have a balance of bringing in players who you're going to sell on development. I think Rav Vandenberg is a fine example where we know fine well Rav is not going to be here maybe from the summer or from next year. Like he's going to probably he's going to go. Like let's be honest, Hackney's probably the same. Obviously, Gibbs Reese's performance is probably not. Um, <laughs> but like there's players there that you're going to sell on for profit. You have to do it. And if you look at Borough in the past, how many times have we, like over the years, brought in players with big money and not been able to sell them on? We need to change that model, especially with like the costs of running a football club and what it is. You know, you're going to get 15, 16 million pounds for Rogers. Is that all going to go to the transfer budget? No, it's definitely not. You know, it's going to go to different things. Like we all know that. And it's the same with different players. You need to bring players through to keep yourself sustainable so you can keep competing to get out of the league. And the gap is bigger in the Premier League, to be honest, like it always is going to be. So we'll, we'll see how things get on. But, you know, you need to have that balance for me. I think you need to get some players in for now and understand that, like, the appreciation is going to, going to happen. But also, can we get some players to give some a sprinkle to some stardust from that as well, the, the youth players? But I don't know your thoughts on it as well, Dana, uh, bringing in promising players. Because I feel like if you do only bring in promising players, you're just going to go on a cycle, showing a constant cycle where you do need to have that balance, right? But we've got to hear your thoughts yeah. on, on that. Yeah, I agree completely in that we need a, a balance. You know, this isn't FIFA 12 where you just get rid of a player that's approaching their 30s because all of their stats decline like we see with Johnny Housen is like the poster boy of this that players over the age of like 28 and well into their 30s in in Housen's case can still perform at a really good level I think we need a good balance I think we have struck it actually because we've got Ailing who's come in and I think has has been pretty decent so far Tommy Smith's been decent since he came in we had Neil Taylor who did a decent job Lee Peltier as well like there's players that have value in them that aren't your archetypal really high potential players so I think there's a good blend but also with this sort of approach it needs time like there are going to be teams that have really good players and you think this is our season, it could happen, and then it ultimately doesn't. We sell them on, we kind of regenerate, we start again. It will take time and that 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 word time is a trigger for a few people because yeah. some people want things now and I, and I get that completely. We all want to see Borough do well. I'd walk a thousand miles to see Borough be a really successful team. But success isn't just promotion for me. And actually I'm, I'm quite, and this might be controversial, I'm always really happy being a, a successful championship team. And then ultimately it kind of goes to shit after that. That's kind of just the, the how football is. So... I know Tom would absolutely hate me for saying this, but like I'm fine just developing. And when it happens, when we get promoted, then it happens. I'm not itchily impatient for it. Like as a fan, just to let people know, I've seen two seasons of Borough in the Premier League. So for someone that's seen the halcyon days of the Europa League campaign and Hasselbank Viduka, like I get that it's a completely different kind of perspective. But for me as a fan, I've seen two seasons of us in the Premier League. It's yeah. not the be-all and end-all for me. Obviously, I want to see Borough there. I want to see Borough be successful, but I can wait, basically. I can wait. I can see Borough develop. I can see Borough bring through academy graduates and see them flourish like Hackney. I can see them bring in players like Rav Vandenberg and watch them really develop. I like that. I like those sorts of stories within a team. So, yeah, a bit of a waffle, but um, it can work. It just needs... A little bit of patience. A few chapters, yeah. shall we say, within it. Yeah. Look at dinner. I've seen Bora 
probably more in the Championship now than I have in the Premier League. Um, yeah. And the Premier League was a lot different from when we were in there. Um, you know, we were in the Europe League and we were paying out some good money on players. And we were, you know, we were, we were, it was not as pretty sustainable as you wanted it to be for Bora. <laughs> but, we, you know, we had some really good years and it was great. The Premier League was, it was all, it was dead good when, you know, I was growing up and we were playing these big teams and, you know, it was fun. Like, you know, the players we had probably didn't appreciate that at the time, really. Because um, you always thought it was going to, it was going to work out. We were always going to be a Premier League team. Again, you know, like we, we sustained ourselves under under Robson and McLaren, and it kind of felt like we were going to always be there for a, for a long time. Um, and then obviously, so Southgate, it just went tits up, and you know, for, for multiple <laughs> yeah. reasons rather than just uh, for just for Southgate alone. But yeah, like it can be frustrating. But I did say when when Scott came in, I would love to see where Borough right in about two or three years, and it's next year's but that third that, that third year. So yeah. I'll assess things then. But all oh, there's a lot of positives out there, and it kind of come, I'm kind of come onto it like now. Uh, but this week I was at the supporters forum with, with Steve Gibson. That was really good. I really enjoyed myself. Really enjoyed myself. The supporters forums were really good. There's only like ten or twelve was there. Steve Gibson was there. The executive team Neil Bowser was there as well. And it was just really insightful. I think to kind of understand where the club's at. We spoke about a lot of topics as well, like on on the night. You know, like some about like transfers, club finances, ticket pricing. I think it was say standing the club's badge. Uh, retail there's loads of stuff that you can kind of go into and I, I can't obviously respect it to stay in, in, in the club you know, I can't say anything at the moment and, well, I think overall it was it was a good evening a real eye open and it kind of helped me understand like where the, the club's going like in the longer term and it is it is exciting like I think the beauty of what the club's doing now is that they're just listening to, to fans and again more on board and it, it's a good like relationship I think with the club and it seems it was like just a really good evening but I even when they talk about transfers about Rogers like it's an unreal deal that we've got you know like this, the transfers in general where the club's at in the summer and where we're going and what money what money we potentially could have and you know what I'm like I'm on board with it I, I get it I think the club's kind of ready for it do you know what I mean and you understand that fans are going to be a bit frustrated there's not me being a mouthpiece here but like you, you know you know I mean this podcast and like I've really criticized the club in the past um around the way things have been running but I would say I'm on board with it now and now I've seen what was behind the curtain a little bit. It's like I can understand where the, where the club's heading in, in that direction. You obviously you've been at a couple of the sessions as well. It was my first one, but yeah, it was just a good evening. What did you have for the meal? Is the I know you had sparkling water, which is absolutely rancid, but it's just what <laughs> we've come to expect from you now. Look, me and Steve, you know, we shared a bottle of sparkling. Um, <laughs> oh, was good. I, was, I was actually sat, I was actually sat next get to Steve. <laughs> So I was sat next to him. He's at the head of the table. I was on his right side. It was lovely to to sit with him and John uh, from from Twelfth Man and Mark Mark Molly from the Sports Forum was really nice. But I had I had the soup to start. I couldn't have the bow buns because I had sesame seeds and obviously allergy to sesame. So they had bow buns. They did. So it was. Oh, uh, that's my favorite thing. That is. So you, I mean, you. You know, I jumped in for you, you know, and you missed out on that. I so I couldn't have that because, yeah. you know, allergy. But now I feel like fans who hate this podcast are going to start sending me uh, sesame seeds in, in my post. <laughs> but the, I had chicken and potato. Was it uh, potato something? What was it called? It begins with a D. I have no clue, mate. Dolphin one. I can't remember what the guy oh, was. Oh, Dolphin was. Yeah. Dolphin Yeah. Yeah. So I had that. And then um, I didn't know what to get for my dessert. And, uh, they recommended the the cheesecake and it was a fantastic recommendation from the chairman. That's so a very I, good selection of, yeah. of food right there. I'm jealous. Yeah, so I was wine and dined. But like the conversations were great. You know, like they're really constructive. You know, the club like listened to what we wanted to say and they take a lot of things on board. It was just a good evening. It was just a really good evening and like it was really open. I know Mark 
is going to probably share the minutes over like the next couple of weeks on 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 Twitter or wherever he's going to send them on to. So yeah, he can give you more detail then probably, and we can probably chat about it more uh, on on the podcast as well. Because I think we've asked that question as well, what we can and can't share. So um, yeah, we'll put a few back on that. But should we move on? Because I know we do have a game coming up in Preston this week on Valentine's Day. Hopefully, Borough can give us a bit of love and, uh, you know, and actually win again. And that'd yeah. be quite nice. <laughs> that'd be nice. Preston as well. <laughs> so, like, what are you feeling about it as well, Dana? Like, do you think we'll uh, we'll go a deep deal and get a get a result? Because it doesn't, it's not really a good hunting ground for Borough, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's one of those, isn't it, where my mind immediately goes to that 4-1 defeat at the end of the uh, Chris Wilder what could have been season but our away form is better than our home form so I've got slightly more confidence in this one but you never, you just don't know what Borough are going to turn up essentially and I just hope McGree starts, if McGree starts I'd be a, a bit more confident so fingers crossed he does I know you haven't asked but I'm going to give you a prediction I'm going to say another 1-1 because we've had a couple in recent games haven't we that would be our third one in four games if that happens so I'm going to go with one all one all I'll probably go in terms of prediction I agree with you I think if, if McGree starts and great because they were garbage at the Riverside they were rubbish they were um, yeah but they're on a bit, a bit of form again haven't they so I think we go and win I do I'm going to do the Ali Brownlee and say we're going to win like 3-0 <laughs> he always said 3-1 didn't he Oh, am yeah, I getting that mixed up with? No, no, it's Dave. Oh, that's Dave. Yeah, 3-0. Yeah, 3-0. I'm going to go 3-0, Borough. You know, we'll turn it around. They're going to laugh at me and go, John, that's a horrendous prediction. My my prediction is probably like 1-0, Borough. I'm uh, going to take it as that. But I have to just say 3-0 because to, be, uh, to be optimistic. Before I round up, uh, Dana, I just want to kind of say, yeah, I was meant to mention it a little bit earlier on, but I got the courier chips yesterday from the Mackham. Um, mm, so did and... I. <laughs> You know, I enjoyed it. I really did enjoy it, but I feel what? like you know, like, you know what it is, right? I've got like I've got after the like tradition of getting chips and gravy, and mm. you know, get again like the works. You know, I like, obviously get the meat on there as well. But I thought, you know, I go I get chips and curry because it's different and it might spark like you know a new tradition where Borough win again, <laughs> things are back to normal. But we play that bad. <laughs> You're gonna blame half. the chips and curry. Is this I you trying to blame have, the chips and curry? I might have to, like, because you know when you go against tradition. Well, I come look, then I got my pint of Guinness. You know, I went, I went to the club at the same time, picked me that up, did the same routine. The only thing different was the chips and curry. Now, and to be fair, I also do another routine as well where I've missed. I think I've missed ten goals, um, a bit more. Where I've went for, I went downstairs for a drink about thirty minutes in, and I always miss a goal. I always do it. Um, Hang on, pause. So, Long time listeners of the Borough Breakdown podcast will know a little quip that we used to aim at, at Elliot Venice yeah. of going down to the concourse and coming out so late he misses a goal. Have you now become Elliot Venice? Um, no, because Elliot would go down at 30 minutes and come back up about 82 minutes. <laughs> so... <laughs> I would not say tells. I would say I'm got. I'm literally down. The thing is, well, I'm down for about a minute. I'm literally because I know it's the best time to go to get a drink. I'm gone for about a minute and a half. Minute and a half, two minutes tops. I'm gone. You miss a goal. But I've missed. I've missed so many goals. Like it's it's actually embarrassing now. Like no. so, you you're the pre-evolution of Elliot Venice. Then you're the magic car. Potentially, potentially, potentially. <laughs> I think that could be. I think that could be. It maybe I should. St- 
start going for the, a bottle of Coke or a, a coffee or something uh, on that 35 minutes again to see if we can score. Maybe go back to the chips and gravy and hopefully we actually get the performance and, you know, a win. So normally it'll be resumed and I don't worry. We'll get, next home game, I'll get me chips and gravy and we'll win. I got mine and I was pretty content, but yeah. then I wasn't at full time when we lost. So, oh well, oh, well. I will maybe... still eat my chips and curry as usual. Yeah, maybe, maybe we should start talking about chips and curry instead of chips and gravy on this podcast instead yeah. of the matches because at least they're consistently good. Anyway, on that note, we'll uh, <laughs> we'll review uh, obviously Matt Crooks' transfer going out there this week as well. You get an expected video from us on that one. We'll probably look ahead to Leicester as well. But right now, or a break in our hearts, but hopefully Cupid can give us a win on Valentine's Day at Deepdale. But this has been the Bora Breakdown podcast, and that was like a Bora Match Day chatter in a pod. Up the Bora. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.